Okay, can I just check my mic is on? Yeah, seems to be uh, okay. <clears throat> just to uh, allay your fears, um, at the stroke of 11 o'clock, I'm going to invite you to stand and we'll have two minutes silence, um, just to, along with everybody else in the nation, to remember the, those who gave their lives in uh, conflicts around the world. So uh, we won't forget that. Um, but in the meantime, um, because this is Remembrance Day, I want us to focus on a few things that we need to remember. And um, one, of the, one of the things about getting old, I find, is that I can remember lots of things. And I forget lots of things. <laughs> you may not be old enough to have had one of those experiences where you've gone to the top of the stairs and said to yourself, what am I doing up here? And then when you get to the bottom of the stairs, you're not sure why you've gone down again. But it's not only about things like that. As you get old, you start to use words inappropriately. And you start to use them out of context. And you start to put the wrong kind of meaning onto things. I had an embarrassing situation recently. Um, I was trying to describe to somebody how excited I was at, um, at one of those wildlife programs and, and, and how amazed I am at uh, the tiny organisms. And as I was explaining this to somebody, I said, I'm, I'm amazed at David Attenborough looking at tiny orgasms. Our memory is funny. It, it, it plays tricks on us when we least expect it. And sometimes, of course, we're not even aware of it. Sometimes we fall into all sorts of traps and all sorts of, uh, of holes in the ground unexpectedly. But on this particular day, because it's Remembrance Sunday, I want to encourage you to remember a few things. And so uh, I'm going to read a passage from Romans chapter 5. Um, and just a few verses... Um, the, the scene is set here. At the end of chapter 4, Jesus was betrayed and put to death because of our sins. He was raised to life to set us free. And he made our account balance by absolving us of all the guilt and all the, the punishment that we rightly deserve. And so chapter 5 in Romans starts like this. Therefore... Since we have been justified or acquitted through faith, we should grasp the fact that we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have been given access by faith into this grace, which is God's favour, in which we now stand. And this causes us to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. It's a hard word to read, that, isn't it? We rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, 
at just the right time, when we were still weak and rebellious, Christ died for all the ungodly people, including us. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, some might possibly be prepared to die. But God demonstrated his own incredible love by offering his son in sacrificial death for us at a time when we were of no use to him whatsoever. The amazing reality of that kind of sacrifice is brought clearly into focus on this day each year, the Day of Remembrance. But what I want to share with you is not just that we might remember those who gave their lives and those whose lives were taken and those who still suffer because of conflicts all around the world in different places at different times. Not just that we might remember that, but of course that's really important. But also, in spite of that, we might remember that there's something much greater so that even those people who have been through conflicts and trials and difficulties and even those people who are still going through such times today, and that might include you and I, as well as those who are in the forces, the soldiers and sailors and airmen. But there might be some factors that we could remember, that, would hold, that we could hold on to, that would see us through these times, would enable us to rise above them, enable us to, to be conquerors. So I want to share a few principles with you. What should we remember? Well, we should remember the peace of Jesus. Verse 1 of the passage I just read. We should remember the provision of Jesus. We should remember the presence of Jesus. We should remember the perseverance of Jesus. So as we focus on these things for just a few moments this morning, I want to remind you that we're drawing our attention from Jesus and the way Jesus dealt with things, the way he handled situations, the way he coped, the way he managed life. And we're drawing on his resources and applying them in our own lives today so that what we're looking at here is not just a historical context. It's not just something from the past. It's not just something that was interesting about the person of Jesus years ago. It's something that we make relevant to ourselves today. And I, I know that the problem today is that many people struggle with the Christian faith. Many people grapple with different aspects of Christianity. Many people feel stuck or isolated. Many people feel that they can't move on in their Christian faith. And I believe that we need to remember these qualities, these aspects of Jesus, and how he brings those qualities into our lives today, if we're open and if we're willing and if we're receptive. And so let's have a look at one or two of those now. First of all, the peace of Jesus. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. We recognize that Jesus had amazing peace wherever he went, whatever he did. He was never flustered, he was never hassled, he was never anxious. Oh, he had emotions, he expressed concern. There are several times in the scriptures where he wept. There were several times in the scriptures where he was worried and concerned about what he could see in front of him and the way people were responding or not responding to his message. 
He was very human. In fact, he was wholly human. Although we believe that he was wholly God, he was also wholly human. It's a concept that doesn't fit very easily in our minds. And yet, what is it about that peace? How can we have that peace? The peace of Jesus and the peace that Jesus brings is not just freedom from conflict. It's not just the absence of war. And today, many people strive for peace and we remember peace and we we celebrate when peace has been achieved in conflict situations around the world. But the peace that we're talking about here is not external peace. It's internal peace. It's that which comes within us. And the amazing quality is that when we, the amazing fact is that when we don't have this quality within us, then we become irritable. And in fact, we're more prone to acts of war. We're more prone to acts of aggression. And aggression and external conflict often comes when there is no peace internally. And so as we struggle as Christians, we need to be able to recognize that we can draw on that peace that Jesus had, that Jesus achieved for us because of his sacrificial death for us on the cross. Isaiah 9 and verse 6 says this, 700 years before Jesus was born. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus is the epitome of peace. We need to be able to receive his peace into areas of our life at times of conflict and, and, and upset. Jesus said on a number of occasions to his disciples, recorded in John 14, My peace I leave with you. My peace I This is not the peace the world offers. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated or disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful, intimidated, cowardly or unsettled. John 14, verse 27. So we need to draw on that peace. We need to be able to receive that peace. We need to understand that Jesus' peace is unique in the world, but he brings it into our lives as we open our hearts to him. In Colossians 3, in verse 15, Paul writes to the church, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. We're called to be peacemakers. And we can only be peacemakers when we have peace internally. So I want to encourage you today to open your hearts to that peace that's beyond human understanding, that peace that's beyond human reasoning. It's beyond what the world offers or anything in the world offers. It's a deep inner contentment and peace. Peace is freedom from stress and anxiety and depression and tension. I guess there'll always be tensions in the world. There'll always be things that concern us. But even in those situations, we can know that sense of the peace of Jesus in our hearts. Philippians 4 and verse 7 says, The peace of God transcends all understanding and will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
His peace is freedom from fear and worry. Romans 8 verse 6 says, The mind controlled by the Holy Spirit is life and peace. So we need to ask ourselves at times when we're worried, at times when we're stressed, at times when those things begin to dominate our lives, is it because our minds are not being controlled by the Holy Spirit? Is it because our eyes have been sidetracked and our thoughts have been marginalised and we're focusing on the wrong kind of things? You see, there's a balance here. We can't live in a world in ignorance of what's happening around us. But if we're so focused on what's happening around us that we don't have that sense of the peace of Jesus in our lives, then not only are we missing out, but actually we're living a lie. As Christians, we we should have that sense of peace within us. And we will all struggle with that. And there will always be times where we find that it seems to disappear. And it's what we talk about in terms of the Holy Spirit being a dove, being very gentle and, and frightened very easily and scared off very easily. And we can easily lose that sense of peace. And so we need to be encouraging one another to draw on God's peace. We need to be encouraging one another to exercise that ability to receive his peace into our lives, especially at times of difficulty and trial. Peace is freedom from chaos. In God's kingdom, there is no chaos. You remember right at the beginning of creation, in the first few words of Genesis, when the Holy Spirit moved across the waters and God brought order out of chaos. So our God is a God of order. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not the author of confusion and disorder, but of peace and order. And so we find that God wants to bring that amazing quality into our lives. We are to be the peacemakers in the world. We are to be those who bring peace into other people's lives. We are to be those who share the peace of God. Sometimes people do it physically. Often in the Anglican church, people celebrate the peace at the end of the meeting and share that with one another in a sense of, uh, of touching one another and holding hands. However it might be, there are very practical ways in which we need to share that peace. We find in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, the fruits of the Holy Spirit include peace. It's one of those qualities that God brings internally for us. So as we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive those qualities of love, joy, peace, gentleness, faithfulness, and so on. We become peacemakers. And in Ephesians 2 and verse 14, the Bible reminds us that Jesus himself is our peace. And so as we strengthen our bond with him, as we strengthen our relationship with him, as we walk with him day by day, we need to be those who draw on that peace. And to begin with, it's something that we have to do consciously. It's something that we have to make an effort to do because it doesn't come naturally to us as humans. We naturally want to worry and we naturally get anxious and het up. And all of those qualities are are, are perfectly appropriate for us. But then we want to experience, even in those situations, a peace that is beyond our understanding. A peace and a calmness that comes only from him. There are many people who struggle in the Christian faith and have never had peace. 
There are many people who are going through trials and tribulations and have never had peace. There are many people who are worried because of their families and their circumstances and situations and have never had peace. I think it's one of the qualities that the world most desperately desires, a sense of peace. Of course, the world is looking for it externally. But as I mentioned earlier, if we don't have it internally, then it isn't going to happen externally. And so we should be those who need to be challenged by God in the sense of understanding his peace. So Jesus is our peace. And in the passage we read from Romans chapter 5, the first verse was, we should grasp the fact that we now have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have that. It's, it's ours. It's available to us. We need to begin to learn to live in it. And in those days when we're getting het up and anxious and worried, let's ask the Lord to make his peace real, make his, his quality available to us. Let's move on to the second thing I want to look at from that passage that we read from Romans. Through Jesus, we also have been given access by faith into his grace. God's favour in which we now stand. This speaks about the provision of Jesus. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. One of the things that we find very difficult about receiving peace is that we're worried about our provision of things. We're worried about where everything's going to come from, where our next meal is coming from, where our finances are coming from, where our health is coming from etc., etc. We're worried about the day-to-day -day issues of everyday life. And we often fail to understand what the Bible says about God's favour, about God's grace. We live in an age where God has poured out his favour, where God has poured out his grace. God has made available his provision. And as believers, we need to begin to draw on God's provision. What does that mean for us? It means being willing to be not self-sufficient. Being willing to recognize that we, can't, we cannot meet all our needs. That however hard we try, there will still be gaps in, in, in our needs that, that, that can't be met by us or the people around us. And so we need to begin to draw on God's provision. And this is very easy to talk about. It's very easy to, to, to say in theory. But the practice of beginning to rely on God for things is really hard for us because we have that inbuilt desire for independence all the time. An inbuilt desire to show that we are capable of looking after ourselves, that we are capable of providing for ourselves. We have that uh, in inherent ability to, to want to prove ourselves all the time. And the problem as Christians is that that tends to take us away from our trust and our faith in God. And so there are times where we need to be reminded. And how does God remind us that we're not capable of providing for ourselves? Often by taking us through a difficult time, through a time of crisis, through some aspect where we recognise that we don't have control, where we're not able to, to simply sort it out for ourselves. Romans chapter 5 and verse 17 says, How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace 
his unmerited favour and his gift of righteousness reign in this life through the person of Jesus Christ. So this is a quality that we should have in this life. This is not just something for eternity. It's not just something that God offers to us in the future. It's something that we can draw on now in helping to manage our lives and cope with our lives. And so we need to, relearn, we need to learn how to trust in, in God's favour. We're coming towards uh, 11 o'clock, and so in a moment I'm going to ask you to stand, um, and we'll spend um, <clears throat> two moments in silence just remembering people who have suffered through the various conflicts. They shall not grow old as we that are left grow old and shall not weary them nor the years condemn at the going down of the sun and in the morning we will remember them. Would you please stand? An old soldier remarked, when you go home, tell them of this and say, for your tomorrow, we gave our today. Father, we thank you and we praise you for so many 
men and women and children and older people too, many who gave their lives voluntarily, others whose lives were taken from them. But we remember those who suffered and died in order that we might have a today and that we might have a tomorrow. And Father, we thank you for the servicemen and women around the nation who still suffer in so many ways. And we pray your blessing on them and their families. We pray just for physical problems that they suffer, but especially for the mental problems, for the emotional problems. And we ask, Father, at this time that you would bring your peace into those hearts and minds, into those lives. We pray that at this time, many people will find Jesus as their saviour. That even on this day of remembrance, people might not forget that you gave your life for us too, Lord. And so we praise you and we worship you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Not working, brother. Okay. Just to check that I'm on a, a different band now. <laughs> so we're talking about God's provision. We're talking about the provision of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is our provider. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, God richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything we need to be able to enjoy our lives to the full. That presupposes that there are many things that come into our lives which actually don't help us to enjoy our lives to the full. And so again, when we're struggling with the Christian faith, and when we're alongside members of the family and friends who are struggling with the, with the Christian faith, we need to remind that Jesus is our provider, Jehovah Jireh. And that so often it's because people are looking in the wrong place to have their needs met that the pain and the hardship doesn't disappear. Of course, just because we recognize God's provision in our lives, that doesn't mean that the pain and hardship disappears. But it means that we handle it in a different way. It means that we're able to draw on those resources of a supernatural God to enable us to cope and to manage and to conquer those things that would drag us down. And so when we are being dragged down, it should remind us that we're not drawing on his provision. His provision comes in so many different ways. In 2 Peter and chapter 1, we read these words. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these things, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, we may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. You see, God has provided these things for us so that we might escape the corruption of the world. Of course, we need to understand, therefore, that if we're not drawing on these resources from God, we won't be able to escape the corruption of the world. We will be drawn into those things that are unhelpful. 
We will fall into those holes in the ground that we've done repeatedly. We will fall into the same traps of sinfulness that we've done in the past. And those things need to remind us that we're not pulling on God's resources. That we're not availing ourselves of the amazing things that he has provided for us. What are some of those things? Well, his provision includes the fruits of the Holy Spirit. When we invite Jesus to come into our lives as Lord and Saviour, he comes in the form of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit brings those qualities of the living God into our lives. And so we should see those things beginning to grow and develop within us. We should see those things beginning to change us more and more into his likeness. Those qualities of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And lots of people struggle with this whole idea of how can God be controlling our lives and yet give us the freedom of choice? Of course, this is one of the things that doesn't fit into our human brain very well. It's a spiritual dilemma. But we need to understand that surrendering ourselves to God and drawing on God's, con- uh, God's resources and enabling God to control our lives doesn't mean that we don't have the freedom of choice. We still have that ability to choose. And of course, we can choose our own way. We can choose what we've done in the past. We can choose things that we have thought have, have helped us in the past. Things that we thought have enabled us to cope and manage in the past. And so we tend to fall into old habits. We fall into traditional ways of looking at things and dealing with things. Because things have worked to some degree for us in the past. But the result is that we're never quite free of those things. And those things keep recurring again and again. We need to ask ourselves for those things that won't disappear out of our lives. For those things that we're continually asking God to deal with and he never seems to deal with. For those things that we continually come forward for prayer for and never get resolved. We need to understand that this is an indication that we're simply not drawing on God's provision. There's a weakness here and, and it throws up to us the fact that we can't get out of it. We can't break the hold. We can't break the mold. We're kind of stuck spiritually. So many Christians in today's world are stuck spiritually. It's why the gospel is so ineffective in our nation. It's why we're so ineffective in our witness. It's why we continually fail. Of course, I recognize that we are still sinners through and through, and therefore we will fail. We will make mistakes. We will get things wrong. But here I'm talking about those habitual things that we can't seem to get out of, that we're desperate to to, to break free of. And so we need to be drawing on God's resources here. His provision also includes the supernatural qualities of his Holy Spirit. You see, God gives the gifts of the Spirit to us as a body. He gives them to us individually, but he gives them to us so that we might minister to one another the supernatural power of God to help us to manage and cope. Those supernatural qualities include wisdom, knowledge, faith, healings. In the Bible, the the Bible talks about gifts of healings. It's a double plural, which means there are lots of different gifts and there are lots of different healings. 
And it's a quality of the Holy Spirit to bring those into our lives. Miracles. Yes, God provides us with a supernatural ability to, to see miracles happening in our life and in the lives of people around us. Prophecy. To be able to speak into one another's lives. Words of encouragement and health and hope and positivity and education and growth and maturity. Discernment is also one of the gifts of tongues. That we uh, is one of the gifts of the spirit that we might recognise those qualities that are right and those that are not right, those that are holy and righteous and those that are not holy and righteous. You see, the Bible explains very clearly that there's only two ways of doing things: it's either God's way or the devil's way. There is no middle ground here. There is no middle road. So those people who think that they're just coping okay because they don't respond to the devil, but they're not responding to God. There is no fence. You can't sit on it. James explains there's only two kinds of wisdom. That which is heavenly and spiritual and comes from God and that which is of the devil. There is no human wisdom. No such thing. And so we need to recognise that it's important for us to draw on God's provision, God's resources. Tongues and interpretations are, are, are other gifts that God brings through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to avail ourselves of these things. And then there's also the roles and, and responsibilities that God brings into our lives. You see, because we all access the same Holy Spirit, it's the one Holy Spirit, the one Spirit of the living God that comes into our lives, we all have access to all of these things. All of those fruits of the Spirit should begin to grow in us. All of those gifts, supernatural qualities of the Holy Spirit are available to us. And so are all his roles and responsibilities. As recorded for us in Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible talks about apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. We all have elements of those qualities within us. We all have elements of the apostle. We all have elements of an evangelist. We all have elements of a pastor and a teacher. Because it's the same Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit enables us to minister to one another in particular areas according to our giftings. We need to begin to understand that this is a day of revelation and we need to begin to move into God's provision for our lives. What God has made available to us should not just be falling on deaf ears around us. So, God's provision. The next thing that I want to look at from this passage that we read is God's presence. In Romans 5 it says, God has given us access into this grace in which we now stand and this causes us to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We should be people who are glory carriers. We should be carrying the glory of God. The glory of God should be evident within us and around us. It's not something that just happens on occasions. When we read the Old Testament, there, there were specific times when the glory of God descended. We see that glo the glory of God descended into the tabernacle. The glory of God descended on individual people. But after the day of Pentecost, when God poured out his Holy Spirit on the whole world unconditionally, then God's glory is available to us. His presence is available to us. The glory of God is the weighty evidence of his presence in holiness, in power, in authority, in dominion, in majesty. 
Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is always there. And we need to begin to live our lives as though we believe that. Because so often we don't. We believe that God's left us. We believe that God's deserted us. We believe that God's ignoring us. Where do we get those lies from? It's blatantly not true. But if we believe it, then that's how we will perceive it and that's how we will conduct our lives. And so we need to begin to move in his presence. We need to begin to live in his presence. We find in the Old Testament that his glory appeared in all sorts of ways. But in the New Testament, we find that God's word through the person of Jesus was that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And so we need to understand the the amazing opportunity that we have to be glory carriers. The amazing opportunity to live in that sense of his presence. Then I want to move on quickly to the next topic from that passage. Not only so do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. It's very easy for us, when we're going through times of difficulty, to simply ask God to take the problem away. And sometimes, out of his grace and generosity, he will do that. But then, often, it comes back. And sometimes we need to ask ourselves, why does it keep coming back? Why do I keep having prayer for the same thing and it won't go away? And sometimes it's because God is teaching us something that we can only learn as we go through this issue. Often our prayer is for God to take the problem away, in which case we learn nothing from it. But only when we go through it and come out the other side do we have the opportunity for growth and development and maturity. And so, Jehovah Maccae, the Lord who shapes me. The Bible tells us he shapes us through times of suffering, through times of trial, through times of tribulation. Our human nature will simply want to ask God to remove it every time. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. But actually, we need to begin to become more mature about this as believers. We need to, to recognize that our witness is so much stronger when God hasn't taken the problem away and we're simply managing it, we're simply coping with it, we're simply living with it, but we're living with it in victory. We're not being brought down by it. And the Bible tells us amazing things about the importance of perseverance. Perseverance is about persistence, about not giving up, about staying focused, about refusing to be put off, about stickability, determination, reliability. In Hebrews 12, we read, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders us, and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us. God wants to build into our lives that ability to persevere, to be stronger, that ability to, to mature. James chapter 1 says, Consider it pure joy, my friends, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you can be mature and complete and not lacking anything. 
So God wants to build us. God wants to strengthen us. God wants to empower us. And often the only way that he is able to do that is by taking us through trials and tribulations so that we might be the very evidence of demonstrating God's ability to bring victory in our lives, to conquer the difficulty. 2 Peter says, Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your Christian faith. So we recognize that God wants to build these qualities into our lives. Perseverance comes from knowing what you believe. You see, if you don't know what you believe, if you don't know who your trust is in, then it just becomes stubbornness. But our stubborn quality, our stubborn spirit, when anointed by God's Holy Spirit, becomes holy perseverance. It becomes a godly quality. And so I come to the final point here. That God has done all of this for us while we were still sinners. While we were still of no use to him whatsoever. That's the power of God's love. God loves us so much that he was prepared to do all of that and make all of that available to us. Even when we were effectively enemies of the cross of Christ. Even when we were in unbelief. Even when we were living in darkness, the Bible tells us. How amazing is our God that he would do all of that for us. How amazing is our God that that is still available for us today. This was the ultimate sacrifice. On this Remembrance Sunday, we remember the Son of God who gave up his life at a time before we even knew that he existed so that we might have a life and a future and that we might have an eternity. How amazing is our God. So on this day of remembrance, as we remember people, the sacrifice that people made, the sacrifice of so many that enables us to have the freedom to do what we do today, let's not forget what Jesus has done for us. And that his power and his authority is still available to us every day of our lives. And so whatever it is we're going through, whatever circumstances and situations we're faced with, we know that his power and his authority is available to us today. Let's pray. Father, we confess to you that we have terrible memories. We confess to you that so easily we forget what you have done for us. So easily we forget the price that you paid so that we might be set free. And Father, we thank you for this day of remembrance that brings these things into sharp focus for us. But Lord, we want to pray that as we go on from here, we will not be those Christians who simply fall into the same traps day after day. We'll we'll not be those believers who simply struggle with the same issues all the time. But we will be people who draw on the resources that you've made available to us to live lives of victory in the name of Jesus, to bring glory and honour to your name, to be your ambassadors and disciples, to be lights in the darkness of this world. 
to your honour and glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.